0: Christmas pageant is back after a couple of years. It's now back on the streets in the original format.
1: Where it belongs.
0: The National Pharmacy's Christmas, Christmas pageant celebrating 90 years of magic on Saturday, the 12th of November. Call us 8223 0000 for your chance to win grandstand tickets. But
1: You were a clown, Luce, you were telling me I during the news break. was a clown
0: four years ago.
1: Since, how did that come about?
0: Uh, it was Friend of a friend? No, through here, actually had the chance to be a clown, and I got to bring a friend, so it wasn't just me out there. It was good.
1: Excellent. But I went in it once. It was good. I was a clown as well.
0: Before you all start type, ringing type <laughs> for the tickets, we want you to come on and sing your favourite Christmas carol.
1: Yeah, now, now and, it and we want, like, you know, people have a real red-hot crack at this too. Yes. Like, no sort of, you know, William Shatner spoken word versions <laughs> of Jingle Bells. Like, we want people to go full cabaret, so that
0: doesn't have to warm be very long. your tonsils. Two lines is all we want. Yeah. Have a scene. Call us, 8223 0000. We will get to your calls shortly. But first, it is time for this.
2: Museums and galleries are filled with treasure. But then you ask, what is the story of how it got here? In the days of the British Empire, objects were taken.
0: The British made a bit of a habit of finding things that they liked. It's not theirs. They didn't own it. Why is this artifact here and not in China? Like, explain
2: They usually ended up with polite plaques. People have raised questions about this for a long time. Is this looting? Looting's in the eye of the beholder. But the real story? Official records call it a gift.
0: That's an absolute load of horse (laughs) (laughs) Mark Fennel joins us. He is hosting Stuff the British Stole. The TV series is premiering tomorrow night on the ABC. But Mark, good morning. I believe you've already got a podcast about this.
2: Yes, it actually started as a podcast. It started as a as a podcast. I happened to be in London a couple of years ago with a with my microphone and I spoke to a historian. She's like, You know, there's heaps of stuff here with dodgy history. I was like, oh, really? And we made this podcast a couple of years ago that ended up going like to number one on the Apple iTunes chart and people went I'd really like to see these objects and lo and behold uh, we came together to make a TV series and with any luck um, they'll let me back into the UK at some point in the future, who
0: knows? (laughs) So is is the first episode, uh, which is airing tomorrow night here in Australia, 8 o'clock, where does the first episode take you? Do you start off in London?
2: Well, we do start off, it felt right, you know, you've got to kind of start at the heart of the empire but we go all over the world um, and I think the... It logically made sense to start off with something at the centre of power, and we actually start off with an object, a diamond, in fact, that sits in the in the crown jewels. And I think, you know, every episode is, is really a question. Like, was it stolen or was it not? And inevitably, and this is a spoiler alert, it's always a lot more complicated than it looks, because in reality, history's pretty messy, and that's the stuff that you don't get on the box. And the, part of the fun of the show, I guess, is actually unpicking those stories and going hold on, it went from this person to this person? How did it get there? That's the stuff that's really fascinating because through those twists and turns, you kind of get the story of, it's not really the story of the British Empire, it's the story of us, all of us left in the wake of the British Empire.
1: Hmm. One, one um, case I mentioned before, Mark, and having seen some of them myself at the British Museum, was the Elgin Marbles, which is still a huge source of conflict between England and Greece. Like, Greece is formally saying, hey, listen, it's been, what, you know, a couple of millennia now, can we have our statues back?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We've actually did a we dedicated a whole episode of the podcast, which people can listen to now, uh, all about the Parthenon Marbles, and it's um it is really tricky how that story played out because actually what happens is the British at that time kind of get permission, but not from the Greeks. They get permission from another empire who are in charge of Greece at the time, and Greece has been asking for it back for as you say for for decades and decades, and it's uh, one of those things where. You know, technically speaking, the British make it legal once it arrives back, like properly legal by British law once it gets into the UK. But what does that mean for the people who want it back?
1: And, Mm -hmm. you know, Greece
2: is literally built. They've literally built a museum to house it, and they still haven't had, uh, um, had much love. And I think, you know, up until quite recently, a lot of museums, literally couldn't give back even if they wanted to because of Acts of Parliament in the UK. And so it's, it's through those little twists and turns you understand just how complicated it is. But, it's, you know, you talk to any Greek person, right? That is, it is a source of so much pride and, and so much injustice that these absolutely stunning works of art are still so far away from home.
1: So Australia for a long time, Mark, was regarded as an outpost of empire. We weren't a, an independent federation until 1901. Just thinking about like the stuff that's in in britain is is only sort of part of it isn't it because we're broadcasting to you from high marsh square just two streets away from our excellent um south australian museum and i gotta say as a kid and even now as an adult i love going to the egyptology room at the at the south australian museum which has got i think two big mummies it's also got a mummified cat um it's got some amazing egyptian um sculptures of of um scarabs and so forth that were put inside the 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 um uh, the 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 coffins of um the upper class in 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 egypt is there a possibility that things like that could be you know in the purview of your program
2: Uh, Absolutely. I think uh, the way Egyptian objects, we we don't do Egyptian objects this season, but we are doing another series of podcasts and we're dedicating an episode to uh, Egyptian objects that do end up in in Australia, because you're right, Australia is, for all intents and purposes, particularly for the first half of the 20th century, very much considered to be um, sort of, you know, at at the beginning, it's it's obviously part of the British Empire as, as a colony, and then even after that, you know, its identity within the British Empire kind of continues right up until kind of the 1940s. You know, you're British, if you're born before 1942, you're born a British subject, right? So, you know, I think um, a really important part of this series is to actually not just look at stuff that ends up in the British Isles, but also stuff that ends up as part of the wider British Empire. And so there's there's a whole bunch of objects that we do in the TV series that actually live in Australia right now, but were taken in the days of the British Empire. And that stuff is Fascinating to me because it's about us, right? We, you know, the thing with the British Empire is that, you know, you're in Adelaide, I live in New South Wales. People might also watch it in Queensland and, you know, they're all Victoria. Like, what do all these things have in common? They're all named after British things, right? Mm-hmm. Australia, for better or worse, is wouldn't be what it is today without the British Empire. And that impact is so ubiquitous that it's almost invisible and you only really notice it. I think when things like the Queen passing happens when suddenly, you know, in the next year or so, our coins will change from having Queen Elizabeth to having King Charles. It's only when those big events happen that you go, oh, wait, we are still linked to this thing. And I think, you know, the, the goal for me is, you know, these objects, they aren't just, you know, weird mysteries of an object. You, they actually, when you start pulling the thread, you have to kind of land on something bigger. You have to go, oh, this is why we have this law. This is why this street is named like this. It's not really about the past. It's about how we ended up with the world today as told through these objects that kind of you know sit inanimate in you know museums and galleries, but they hold these mysteries, and those mysteries actually tell us something about who we are.
0: Hmm. Sounds Mark, fascinating. Mark Fennell, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Stuff the British Stole premieres tomorrow, 8pm on ABC.
1: I'll tell you what, though. In uh, in, in defence of our beloved mother country, I, I, you could actually do a whole bunch of um, spin-off series based on the same theme. Like you could do Stuff the Spanish Stole... You could do stuff the Portuguese stole, i.e., you, you know, pretty much.
0: You've just given Mark his next 10 years of All of, of work. South
1: America. All the gold, all of that amazing Incan gold. Uh, in Mexico, you get a massive, massive, massive fine and also I think even a jail term if you're caught leaving the country with any Aztec or Mayan stuff. Like, they are r- red hot on it. Because I actually found this tiny little head, a little carved head, when I was climbing a pyramid, when I was there, and I kept it, and I was at the end of the year, I was talking to my Mexican brother and my host family, and he said, "Mate," he said, "I know these things; there are a dime a dozen." He said, "But you can't take it out of the country." Yeah, so, did you
0: get a Mexican curse hexed upon you?
1: Well, I left it there. I didn't bring it home. Smart I didn't thinking. Want to get the you never curse know. Curse of uh, what's the, the, God the of Mayan death? The Mayan wrath. God of death. Mictlantecuhtli. That's his name.